listening to the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Episode 7 of the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast. Looking forward to getting into the conversation today about sleepers and bust. Uh, But before we get started, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. You're always joined by Bob, and on the other line is Dan. Dan, what's going on, buddy? What up, Bob? What up? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little needy of a nap-nap right now, but I'm excited to... uh talk you know sleepers and bust with you talk about some of the new uh information that came out through the week it seems like this summer has just been chock full of crazy nfl news like i don't remember a summer that's been like this before yeah it seems like uh there's been a lot of contract debate really over the past like two weeks that i know we're going to get into um but yeah it feels like there's just been a lot of news maybe a lot of movement a lot of player uh issues out out there that have been reported upon um but with you know pretty much one week until we're back into football from here until the rest of the year um, i'm so excited yeah i can't wait i'm so excited i cannot wait for the season to start this is going to be uh you know because we've got this going on there's so much more going on i just can't wait for the games to start it's exciting yeah so with that in mind um i know i'm going to be visiting dan uh in his hometown here in the next uh, couple weekends here we're going to start discussing our schedule once the season goes live i know right now we're just doing a sunday night episode uh in the off season but i know we've had conversation of going to two maybe three episodes a week so keep an eye on that as we have our discussion and and we're looking forward to providing more in-season content as we uh, get into the season here. I also can't believe that we are on episode seven of this. That's wild to think about, too, that we've already been doing this for seven weeks. It's uh, it's it's great. I mean, this is so much fun, man. It's, it's been a blast for sure. Yeah, I've had a blast. I know Dan and I sort of planted this seed about maybe three months ago to do this. And once again, I know we say it every episode, but we really enjoy everybody's support. There's been a lot of people that have supported. We're seeing the numbers go up as far as our podcast listens are concerned. And the interaction on social media is great. So for myself and Dan, we really appreciate it. And we hope you like what we're uh, doing. Yeah, thank you guys so much for the support, the help. Uh, knowing that people are kind of listening to us and appreciate what we're doing is fantastic, and we're having a blast doing it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So, Dan, let's go ahead and recap sort of last week. I know last week we sort of had a marathon episode, but I think it was good because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. here's why. We did a full point per reception draft. The one thing I like about it, and I was willing to sacrifice length for quality of content, was there was no computer auto picks. This was a real draft, and I was very excited. Once again, thank you to everybody that participated in the draft. But I think it gave a real insight on what to expect in a PPR league by having no auto picks. There was some strategy going on, and you could see it unfold as the draft was going on. And I felt really good about it and got some great feedback about it. Absolutely. It was one of those things where, I mean, you and I mock a lot. We do a lot of mock drafts when we're trying to get ready for, uh, you know, the real deal here. But the thing that I don't think like a computer can kind of duplicate is maybe some of those Homer type picks or just some random picks that get thrown out there. The one thing that keep, com- keeps coming back to me is that th- that Tom Brady pick by Eric. So, uh, you know, you don't ever see something like that in a computerized draft. I mean, it's always better to 
get in, to do the real thing and kind of see what other people are thinking and just kind of have those random picks thrown out there. Yeah, so let me give some feedback. I put a poll on our Twitter feed, and then I want to go over some responses to the draft. So once again, I just put, when drafting in a 10-team league, where do you prefer to draft from? And the options were 1-3, to 4-7, to 8-10, and the majority vote, 56%, was the 4-7. to 8-10 to 10 got 33%, and 1-3 to 3 only got 11%. So thank you, everybody, that participated in the poll. Um, but... I know, Dan, we shared our preference. I think we both like the end turn. Yeah. But it looks like the middle part dominated, and I think a lot of the feedback on the team showed that they like what was produced in that four to seven range. Sure. And I don't, I hate those middle points of the drafts because it feels like sometimes you're in no man's land and uh, you kind of just got to deal with what falls to you. But uh, I feel like you have so much more of the ability to kind of control your team and stuff like that when you have. Um, either that first pick and you get the turn or the 10th pick and you get the turn. I prefer probably the 10th, but uh, I, mean, I, I don't know. Those middle those middle spots to me feel like you don't have as much control over kind of your destiny as you do when you're at the very beginning or the very end. Yeah, and I think I stressed some concern um, as we were doing the draft about drafting from the one slot. I loved having Le'Veon Bell, but I felt like I really missed out on that uh, run towards the end of first middle to the second range where I felt like teams could really double up on two elite players and I felt like I was sort of stretching a little bit to select who I did so um, I wasn't necessarily surprised to see one through three get the lowest vote range because I just just felt like I was struggling the whole time. I like my team at the end but I really like having a very good stud running back and also a stud wide receiver and I felt like I didn't really achieve that um, with that draft but once again that's why you do mock drafts sort of get a feel for what you're dealing with yeah and I, I think you would have liked your team much more if you would have taken mike evans and as opposed to the baldwin and, and it doesn't necessarily think have anything to do with i think you just see that name and you're more excited to have mike evans on your team than you are doug baldwin doug baldwin doesn't have like one of those kind of he doesn't have the same expectations that mike evans has um but at the same time he goes out there and gets the stats so it's it's a good pick i just think you would have liked your team a lot more if you would have got evans instead of baldwin yeah mike evans can flash almost number one overall wide receiver numbers where doug i think your highest you're gonna see is maybe in the six seven range um i know he had a monster do it, Doug. <laughs> I know he had a monster touchdown season. Uh, what was it? Three years back now, three seasons ago. But um, uh, you know, he's just more steady. Whereas I, I think you like that high upside, high touchdown type of wide receiver one. But, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Well, let me go over some of the feedback. So I want to thank Fantasy Football Pizzeria on Instagram. He posted. Um, the picture of the draft and wanted to get thoughts on uh, just the overall results and it got a lot of play I know we jumped in on the conversation so I want to sort of quote some of his so um you know, they said the guy in the five slot got the best squad, and that was Eric's. You talked about they really liked Antonio Brown and Tom Brady. Um, they just think that that was enough. <laughs> uh, they didn't really care what else, but that was enough to get him over sure. the edge. A lot of votes for uh, third pick, uh, um, seven, eight, one. Um, yeah, that team was great. That team was stacked. That was my favorite uh, team out of the out of the draft for sure. 
Yeah, I, I, I liked his team a lot. Uh, a lot of votes for John Nolan in the sixth seed as well. One guy even said, uh, at sentence to prism, three and six in the championship book it. Um, so a lot of feedback there. John got a few votes in the sixth seed. Um, I did have the joy of going back and forth. Uh, gentlemen, uh, talk and edits. Still don't understand why Bell is worthy of the number one pick. Had a little back and forth with him. Yeah, I just stayed in a full PPR, <laughs> full PPR right. league. It's a guy that averages. 80 receptions over 600 yards and multiple receptions last week yeah and i wish he would have came back i didn't get any response back but hey talking edits if you ever want to chat fantasy football yeah that's what we're about so um once again thanks a lot really appreciate fantasy football pizzeria and i know deke uh put a poll out on his end Uh, i just wanted to go over fantasy football pizzeria because there was a lot of movement and uh a lot of chatter on there so once again, looking forward to uh, the season. We may even fit another mock in there. Uh, just keep sure. your eyes out for that, maybe as the season gets closer. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think it went well, and I'd like to get a lot of the gentlemen back and, and maybe do another draft before the season ends. Oh, yeah. And let's move into some NFL news. Like we teased in the beginning, there was a lot of contract movement going on, and we want to talk about three in particular. And the first one is Todd Gurley. So last week we talked about Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, not uh, getting signed, and this might be a reason (laughs) why. Todd Gurley signed for four years, $60 million through 2023 and includes 45 million guaranteed so dan a lot of money yeah reading those numbers what are your thoughts on that i mean the first thing comes to mind is is that they are trying to keep this core of young talented players together so cooks we talked about last week got paid nice contract for him Goff is still on his rookie contract but I would expect after this season as long as he plays relatively well uh, he's going to get a monster contract and now Todd Gurley has effectively done what Le'Veon Bell was trying to do which is completely reset the market for running backs I mean and the guy deserved it i mean he deserves to get paid he has a he had a fantastic season last year uh he was a touchdown machine so uh good for him happy for him uh obviously 45 million dollars guaranteed is a huge guaranteed number uh in terms of a contract Uh, but i i expect that rams team to be good for quite a while because i mean Gurley is still really young Uh, So it doesn't look like he's going anywhere for the foreseeable future. So good for him. I mean, it's exciting to see uh, people who kind of worked hard uh, in the game get paid and he deserves it. And, uh, you know, we we expect big things out of that Rams offense this year. And uh, now Gurley can kind of just focus on football and move forward. Yeah, there's a few things I want to bring up with this. Um, Gurley's only 24 years old. So, I mean, this takes him to 28. And if he produces like he did the past season and even his rookie season, uh, give me something in that range. He's probably going to get another big contract. So good for him. Sure. He jumped when the when the time was right. Um, I think what Le'Veon Bell tried to do really helped this because you know, reading through some things – I know uh, Gurley's agent was sort of waiting and seeing what Bell was trying to do. And once nothing came through, they were able to set the market, like you said. So good on him for that. He definitely deserves it. Two more points I want to make here is... What the Rams are doing reminds me a lot of what a team in their division, Seattle, did when Russell Wilson was under his rookie contract. They were able to 
bring in weapons and build a monster defense. Now they need to get Aaron Donald signed. He's the best defensive player in football right now. But yep. They're taking advantage of locking up elite young players while they still have their quarterback who showed that he can be a number one type of quarterback on a rookie contract. So to your point, they've got a couple of seasons of a window open where they are legit Super Bowl contenders, especially if they lock up Aaron Donald. They need to get him signed next. And it's just one of those things that just a couple of years ago, like it, they would not even have registered to you in terms of like a quality kind of football team that you'd expect to be playoff bound. And now we're talking about at least maybe have an opportunity uh, to go to the big dance, the Super Bowl. I mean, how, how quick has this turnaround kind of come? I mean, it's crazy. Last year, they kind of, I think, shocked a lot of people in terms of how uh, studly they were on offense. And now they keep just collecting nice little pieces of young quality players just to kind of fill in. You're exactly right. It's around that rookie contract um, that Goff has right now that allows them to go out and kind of uh, build a championship caliber football team. St. Louis, we feel for you because your team was bad after those Super Bowl years. And now (laughs) this team is producing at such a high level and looks to be producing at this level for a long time to come. And it's, it's like that whenever uh, the Cleveland Browns left uh, Cleveland and went to Baltimore, and within like two years they were winning Super Bowls. I mean, you you had to feel it for <laughs> feel for those Cleveland fans who literally watched the team that they've seen be built right before their eyes move to Baltimore in the dead of night and uh, win a Super Bowl within the next couple of years. That's That's got to be painful to watch. <laughs> Good old Cleveland. We get to see them yeah. suffer a lot in Pittsburgh here. So <laughs> Yeah. And then the one other thing I want to bring up about Gurley is how bad of a coaching job did Jeff Fisher do that he basically nullified the skill level of Todd Gurley? And look at what he did right. last year under Sean McVay. It's ridiculous. I think both of us were kind of uh, thinking that McVay was – uh, going to a kind of, uh, you know, turn this offensive team around. And he did just that. I mean, he's probably one of the – he's young. I think he's right around our age, like in his mid or early 30s. And uh, he has probably one of the most exciting offenses in the NFL right now. So, uh, yeah, you're right. How terrible of a coach could you to have to be to kind of mask the qualities of the best uh, running back in football? Yeah, so um, this sets a great precedent for Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, and those other young do-it-all running backs uh, moving forward. So good on him. It was about time they got paid because they're as valuable now as they have been in a long time. Yeah, get ready to see uh, Le'Veon Bell get a massive contract from the Las Vegas Raiders. (laughs) I'm calling that right now. That's what I expect to happen. But... Oh, I mean, it'd be nice if we could re-sign him, but uh, I don't know. I, I expect him to be in Las Vegas next yeah, season. Yeah, Dan, one, uh, one team that I was uh, throwing around after we had the conversation is, I wonder if Cleveland makes a run for him next year. They've got Todd Haley in place. Um, I yeah. hope not because I would not want to play him no, two times a year. That. But No kidding. Uh, they might have the cap space to make a run. Le'Veon, uh, I know you're not listening, but if you ever hear this, we hope you stay with Pittsburgh. Yeah, man, I never, I never even thought of that. That and they've got some nice uh, players on that team. You know what I mean? If if Tyrod can kind of put it together, and they've got some nice receivers, Josh Gordon's there. We know what kind of stuff he can do. And oh man, if they add uh, Le'Veon Bell to that team, I think any team that adds uh, Le'Veon Bell to their team is going to just be so much better than they were before he got there. But 
I it would be really be a heartbreaker for him to go somewhere like Cleveland. Yeah, I can stand the Raiders, but Cleveland that would really kind of hit me hit me where it hurts. You know what I mean? Yep, I agree completely. And let me go over two more. These aren't necessarily fantasy impacting players directly in the stat lines, but they do help a lot of key pieces. I'm going to lump these together. The Atlanta Falcons did a 75 million dollar extension with left tackle Jake Matthews, five years, and the Titans locked up left tackle Taylor Lewan to a five-year $80 million, making him the highest-paid offensive lineman in the NFL. <laughs> the reason yeah. we wanted to bring these up is I think in episode two, uh, I know I definitely talked up Mariota, and we like Derrick Henry, and we expect the Falcons to bounce back uh, more to, not maybe two years ago, but almost to that level and locking up left tackles are key especially young ones that are great at protecting the quarterback and opening Absolutely. up lanes for the run game well the other thing is that uh especially for a more like pocket drop back pass for like matt ryan you need to have that security blanket there at left tackle to make sure that he's not getting blasted by the front of blind side you know uh and he they obviously want to give him plenty of time so he can push the down the ball down field to julio who um i think is going to have a, back, a bounce back season so uh, good for those guys uh and i think that also goes to show you like the amount of money that they'll invest in the lineman, which is, I think, an underrated position in the NFL. I don't think a lot of people kind of give it the respect that it's due, uh, mostly because, I mean, you're not getting any fantasy points or blocks or anything like that. So uh, I don't think they're giving the, the credit, but uh, putting a premium on the protection of your quarterback, obviously, is a huge issue and a huge deal for these clubs. And I think that's what you're seeing in these two contracts here, Bob. Yeah, and when you've got elite and still somewhat young uh, quarterbacks, it's always best to, like you said, pay for the protection. So just wanted to bring those up because I know we've talked uh, specifically about the Titans, um, but we expect the Falcons offense. They've just got too much talent not to uh, be better performing than what they showed last year. So so much so much firepower on that offense between uh, Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman, Julio, uh, and now you're adding probably one of the more polished receivers um coming out of college football with in Ridley so uh good for them I mean I I I think Atlanta's going to have a nice season. I expect big things out of their offense. So, and now you just got a little bit more protection for uh, Mr. Ryan up down there in Atlanta. Yeah. So that covers a lot of the news that we wanted to cover from the last week, where we talked. Like I said, a lot of big contracts came into play. Um, and you know, we'll probably do a lot of this because now that we're getting into actual preseason games, uh, there are important news uh, items that will come out. So we'll try and put this in the beginning of each episode just to recap what's been going on but now that we've covered that dan you ready to talk some rip van winkles yeah some rippies yeah let's do it let's get into some sleepers guys rip van winkles all right so sleepers Dan, I'm just going to throw out a loose definition on my end. You can give your definition on what you would consider a sleeper. We call him a Rip Van Winkle because we like to use different terminology here. So we're trying to introduce that to our listeners. So we're going to refer to them as Rip Van Winkles. (laughs) (laughs) And typically, this is a later round selection, maybe even a waiver wire selection that will exceed uh, your expectations and become a possible option that could help win you fantasy leagues, depending on how that play produces here. So Dan, what are your thoughts on us? Sleeper, give your uh, definition. 
I really think it's somebody like that you're finding like a diamond in the rough. I mean, uh, my most memorable sleeper or Rip Van Winkle that I can think of recently has been Alvin Kamara. Uh, last year, he wasn't even drafted in our uh, league of record and was picked up off the waiver wire. And now he's in large part going in the first round of the fantasy drafts. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm looking for in terms of it. But here's the thing. It doesn't have to be a rookie. Uh, and this year, I don't even think you could even pick out someone like that because there is so much hype on this rookie running back class. I, I can't ever, I can't even remember uh, there being this much kind of hype and the opportunity for rookies to kind of bust out and be starters right away in the league. Can you think of another time that's been like this, Bob? Boy, um, outside of like maybe just your one-offs, like Zeke coming in. The, sure. Yeah, I don't remember there being this. But it's much. not. It's not been like a massive running back class. I mean, I think everybody. I mean, if you look at your draft board, if you're looking at your um, kind of your mocks and stuff like that, these rookie running backs are going in the third, fourth round. Sometimes even in the second round, if you're kind of reaching a little bit on somebody like uh, like Penny out of Seattle, somebody who you're, I'm seeing t- being taken very early because you know everyone wants that Seattle running game. So. Uh, uh, I, I wouldn't even say that any of those rookie running backs could qualify as Rip Van Winkles these days. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of what I think a sleeper is, just one of those diamond in the rough. Someone who's off the beaten path, someone you didn't think about and is going to come out and win games and maybe even a championship. Great. Yeah, so let's start it off with our QB Rip Van Winkle. Dan, why don't you kick it off with the QB? <laughs> okay, so uh, this is a uh, this is a guy that I've been thinking about on and off. Uh, for the last couple of weeks. And it just so happened that our uh, fantasy dynasty guru, very first uh, guest on the podcast, uh, had this gentleman on his dynasty league uh, squad. And he called me, Mr. Craig, called me the other day and said, hey, did I make a mistake dro- dropping dun, 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 Derek Carr? And I said, why would you ever drop Derek Carr? And he said, oh, I don't know. I, I had Blake Bortles. <laughs> I said, you had Blake Bortles. Okay. Uh, and that's who my Rip Van Winkle is for QB is Derek Carr. So uh, bear with me. Let me run a couple things down for you. Um, he's got a new bunch of receivers, three big name guys who have been nice players in other places. Uh, he's got Amari Cooper, and we know that he's been down, like at least last season he was down, but definitely has the potential to be a big-time receiver in the league, very young. He also got Jordy Nelson, uh, and I saw something earlier this week on the news that's uh, coming out of Oakland saying that Jordy, yeah, Jordy Nelson is actually the fastest receiver uh, in camp right now. So they are giving him a bunch of hype. He's got uh, lightning so in so those Derek, shorts, doesn't he, Dan? That's right. It's so much so that Derek Carr was like, I don't even understand why they let him go in Green Bay. I mean, they are pumped to have him there. Then a guy that you and I both like, Martavis Bryant, someone who is definitely someone who can stretch the field and uh, make those big-time long ball plays. So I love the new receiving core. Uh, you also have a new head coach. Uh, you got Gruden, um, who you know is going to – you know, I mean, they have all those Monday night footballs where they're sitting with the coach breaking down film. And he's usually the guy who brings in all the new quarterbacks and kind of helps them break down film and stuff like that and go through your progressions. So he's definitely got a good head coach at the helm. 
And I think this is a back a bounce back year because he had that back injury kind of last year that I think really limited his ability to kind of do what we see we've seen Derek Carr do previously. He's 26 years old and uh, last year was a down year, but he still had uh, almost 4,000 yards passing, 3,500 yards passing, and 22 touchdowns. So uh, that is a nice that's a nice number. For somebody who oftentimes, whenever I'm seeing it, doesn't even get drafted. It's somebody that people aren't even considering grabbing and putting on the squad. Uh, I think with the new talent there and a decent running game in Marshawn Lynch, and we've seen some good things about Doug Martin in the news lately too, um, I think if you're going to do the strategy that you and I are both so fond of is wait on quarterback, uh, I think Derek Carr uh, is really going to surprise some people this year. So I think you could consider either you know, drafting him as one of the last people off the board or kind of keeping your eye on him uh, in terms of the free agency. His average draft position is 127. Uh, he has, uh, you know, it's just shocking to me that no one's giving this guy credit because, I mean, a couple years ago, people were talking about how exciting it was to have this new young quarterback here in Oakland. And now they're giving him the tools to kind of excel. So I expect him to have a nice season this year. So that's my Rip Van Winkle, Mr. Derek Carr. All right. And I'm going to go over my QB Rip Van Winkle. And Dan, I held back the laughter because <laughs> you mentioned the guy and I feel weird even saying this. My guy currently is being undrafted, so you don't even have to put draft capital on him. All you have to do is pay attention to what he's doing and look towards the waivers. So, Craig, I don't mind it, and I'm going to go with Blake Portals. Blake Portals. And I feel so weird Garbage saying this. Blake. Right? The, the definite garbage man. He will come and pick up the trash late on games on Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. Let, <laughs> let me go over a bunch of stats that um, I want to bring up about him. Like I said, you don't even have to draft the guy in redraft leagues. He's got the easiest schedule based on fantasy pros for matchups uh, in the quarterback selection. He's got a great start with New York Giants and New England Patriots. He ends the season weeks 13 through 16 with your very middle-tier type of defenses quarterback-wise. Now, that can always change, but stuff you got to think of when you're looking for sleepers. He really doesn't have much behind him. They have uh, Cody Kessler as the backup here, and you saw him maybe play a few times with the Browns. So, <laughs> Yeah, right. There's really not much there. And if you look at last year's um, performance, when it mattered most, and this is based off the Fantasy Footballers Ultimate Draft Kit, they do a consistency chart for last year, weeks 12 through 16. So your fantasy playoffs, he finished week 12, 7, week 13, 3, 14, 10, 15, 6, 16, third overall. And in those games... Against Arizona Week 12, he only passed for 160 yards, but he ran for 62 yards and two touchdowns. So he's basically providing running back stats. Week week 13 against Indy, 309 yards, two touchdowns, another 27 yards on the ground. Week 14 against Seattle, everybody still thinks Seattle's a vaunted defense, 268 yards passing, two touchdowns. Week 15 against Houston, 326 yards, three touchdowns. And week 16, your championship game, 382 yards, two touchdowns with 32 yards on the ground. So, I mean, 
it stinks to say his name, but he has produced two seasons in a row where he's a back-end quarterback one. So... I, I am shocked to hear some of those game line stats. <laughs> like if you would have thrown those out to me, like if we were doing uh, what we did a couple weeks back where I was trying to guess uh, like blind resume style, I would never, ever, ever throw out the name Blake Bortles ever. I mean, there would be absolutely no way I would even consider that being um, who you were talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, I- <laughs> I was just looking around and I, I thought, let me just take a look at him just to sort of see. And as I was looking into all the details, his soft schedule quarterback wise, he's got the best strength of schedule based on fantasy pros. And then you start looking at what he did. I mean, it, and even if you go back throughout the entire season now, fantasy footballers, their consistency chart, they do it based on 12 team leagues. So one to 12 would be a QB one, obviously 13 to 24 QB two. But if you do it off of ours where we play more 10 team leagues, mm-hmm. he was a QB1, one, one, two, three, four, five, six weeks, and a QB2, one, two, three, four, five weeks. So basically, he's giving you at least QB2 stats almost like 80% of the season last year. And sure. you just wouldn't expect it. So. I know they've got a lot of young weapons. He didn't really even have a chance to play with Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns. So the the yeah. wide receiver core he played with last year is still intact, and the play action can be there if Leonard Fournette can produce like he did last year. And that would have been my biggest knock on Bortles is, well, who else is there? Like, other than Fournette, who else in that receiving core is, like, exciting you at all? But then you pointed it out, Bob. There wasn't anyone there last year either. <laughs> so it's not like he had uh, Julio on his team or, uh, you know, anyone that was going to be drafted in your first round as a uh, wide receiver one or anything like that. I mean, he's putting up those stats with forgettable receivers. Uh, so, I mean, uh, I- I'm shocked. I'm-, I'm shocked that he was that good. I mean, you don't expect that out of Blake, but I guess I should. So yeah. maybe Craig was right. <laughs> so just to recap, re, just to recap, Dan is looking for a nice sleeper a year from Derek Carr, and Bob is representing Blake Bortles. So once again, two sleepers that you may not even have to draft, but somebody that you can pick up off waiver wires if they get hot, and uh, could win you games and possibly win you playoff games and even a championship. I especially like Carr in that dynasty format because I, you know, if they can keep that receiving core together. Uh, and Mark Cooper can kind of catch fire. And then, I mean, if, if Le'Veon Bell somehow ends up there, I mean, geez, oh man, that's a pretty sweet team in terms of having your QB there for a couple of years um, yeah. with those weapons around him. Yeah, and I and I agree. If Martavis can avoid trouble, he's still super young and can stretch the field. He can body mm-hmm. people up. He can be a red zone mm-hmm. threat if he needs to be. And, you know, maybe Jordy can move into the slot if they decide. I mean, there's just so much potential that, yeah, he sure. should not... And, and don't forget Jared Cook. I mean, he's a back-end, tight-end one even, possibly. Yeah, so, definitely. I mean, there's just a lot of potential. And, and this sort of illustrates you can wait on quarterbacks and find people that the names might not be pretty, but they're going to produce for you. Well, the other thing is, uh, is from our blind resume is that you can wait on quarterbacks because you can get Philip Rivers as one of the, the last picks in your draft. And we talked about his stats from last season, monster stats. 
Uh, so I, you're right. I, I think that in terms of fantasy, quarterback's probably the deepest position and the one you can probably wait on the longest. Absolutely. So with that in mind, let's move on to running backs. Dan, I'll take the lead on the running backs this one. So my running back, Rip Van Winkle, and I, I when I looked up his average draft position, I was actually stunned with all the news that's been coming up but i've got jamal williams he's being drafted <laughs> 10th round pick four hey bob you just want to talk about this at the same time <laughs> <laughs> ah touche my friend uh, yep let, let me that's give you exactly some, who i had let me give you some <laughs> of my stats dan and then I'll, I'll pass the ball right to you then so for some reason, the lead running back, at least going into the season, for the Green Bay Packers, who once again have a quarterback named Aaron Rodgers, is going in the 10th right. round, which is ridiculous. Yep, I know. They've got a really nice schedule, weeks 3 through 10. Now, I know Aaron Jones is out the first two weeks, and the schedule looks tough. But if Jamal Williams can produce in those two weeks, he could put a stranglehold on that starting job. There are some stats that I want to give out to you, Dan, here, and then I'll pass it right to you. So, once again, using the Fantasy Footballers uh, Ultimate uh, Draft Kit, their consistency rankings, weeks 12 through 14, he was the number two, number seven, number five running back in half-point PPR uh, leagues. Let me give you some of the stat lines for when he actually took over starting. So that was week, looks like week 11. They had him, NFL had him listed as the starter week 11. He had 18 for 57, four receptions for 38 yards. So no touchdowns, but he's getting involved sure. in the pass game. Right. The next week against Pittsburgh, 21 for 66, one touchdown on the ground. Four for 69, one touchdown through the air. Mm -hmm. 21 for 113 and one touchdown. Two for 10 through the air against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, yep. 15 for 49 against Cleveland. One for seven. Uh, I'm sorry, seven receptions for 69 yards. I read the wrong column there. Receiving touchdown. Against Carolina, a little bit of a down game. 10 for 30 through the ground. No receptions. Okay. Then you've got Minnesota. 15 for 58. They were a stout defense. Okay. Then mm -hmm. at the last game of the season, fighting uh, through the end of season, 22 rushes for 82 yards, 3 for 31. Let me give you what that 16-game pace would have been for those games that he oh, started. Yeah. He would have averaged 17 rushes for 65 yards. He would nice. have averaged a little under half a touchdown. He's also averaging in that time frame sure. three receptions for 31 yards and .3 touchdowns. You extrapolate that over 16 games, that equates to 279 rushes for 1,040 yards, seven TDs on the ground, 46 receptions for a little under 500 yards and five touchdowns through the air. If Ooh, you're getting nice that, stat line. if you're getting that in the 10th round. I'm going to get that as much as I can and reach on it if I have to. No kidding. And here's the other thing, Bob. Um, when was uh, – I mean, who was the quarterback during that time? Brett Hundley. Exactly. Exactly. So you have got the starting running back on probably one of the best offenses in the NFL with the best quarterback arguably in the NFL – going in the ninth or 10th round of the fantasy draft. I mean, that's shocking to me. When I looked at that, I said, I mean, he always, when I'm mocking, he's always following to me in that 10th round rage. And I instantly was like, Oh, he's there. I'm grabbing him. He's on every single one of my teams pretty much. 
Uh, and you'll have the opportunity to kind of show what he can do and show if he can be the bell cow in those first four games when Jones is suspended. And let me give you something that I looked up. So when was the last time you think like, okay, Green Bay, when was the last time they had a uh, stud number one running back? Uh, and I tried to go back and I was looking at names like Ryan Grant. <laughs> uh, but probably the most recent one you have is Steady Eddie Lacy. Rookie and year? <laughs> he had in 2013 when he was the starting running back yep. for Green Bay. He had 1,178 yards and 11 rushing touchdowns. He also had uh, 35 receptions and 257 yards on the ground. Eddie was a little bit more of a uh, pound in ground uh, type player. But, I mean, that is the last time they had, like, somebody who's going to go and kind of go out there and, and just kind of bull people over. So if you can get that kind of uh, numbers out of Jamal Williams, and you just went over them, Bob. You extrapolated that out really nice. Uh, this is somebody that you should not even – that should be going several rounds before this, in the third or maybe even the second round. But the other thing is, is about is Jamal Williams is still very young. This is his second year in the league. He was a rookie last year. So he was learning the ins and outs of the offense, learning the ins and outs of how to be a starting running back in the NFL. Uh, and I just think that he's going to be so much better this year than he was last year. And he won us a couple of games, I know for a fact, uh, from our flux position. So, yeah, that's. I'm glad we didn't uh, talk about this beforehand because it was. That, that's exactly who I had down as my Rip Van Winkle, Mr. Jamal Williams. Yeah, so we don't share notes. And I think that's a good thing. I, I like to see if we have people that we both think can be in whatever category we're doing. And just, yeah, you know, I think just a few more points, Dan, is I think the reason his value's depressed right now a little bit is I think people are still unsure if it's going to be a three-headed monster um, sure. running back uh, core. But uh, there's another thing. I was looking at Packers Wire uh, uh, online earlier this week, and this has to have some value because, once again, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback there. Mm-hmm. Um, According to Sports Info Solution, Williams missed a block on 1.3% of his pass-blocking snaps last season. That ranks him only behind Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, Matt Forte, and Lamar Miller. So the reliability as a pass-blocker has to curry some favor because you're protecting the best quarterback in the league and if he can produce like he did at the end of season over those last six to seven weeks to your point he's producing stat lines that would extrapolate to like a third round pick I would probably target him in the seventh round. I wouldn't even know if I'd let him sit if he really shows that he's taking over that role. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, I mean, he's getting he's getting taken way after like guys who are in an absolute, without a doubt, timeshare, like Tarek Cohen, who's you know basically the third down back. People are taking him before they're even looking at Jamal Williams. The other thing is, is that people are taking rookie running yep. backs who I was have just to come gonna in say and that. earn the job before they're even thinking about taking Jamal Williams. I mean, this guy is not getting the credit that is deserved of him. A- absolutely, Bob. Yep. So, as you can see, Dan and I are 100% on board. Keep your eye out on Jamal <laughs> yeah. Williams. Um, we think he has. It great also sleeper. helps that we both that we both own him on our dynasty team. Yeah. <laughs> that was a nice that was a nice sleeper from last year that we grabbed actually. So. Yep. Can't 
cannot be any more pleased to have him just sitting uh, on our bench getting ready to put in. Uh, he could even jump right into the flex if he shows in week one for us. So sure. uh, we expect big things. I mean, when you play for Green Bay, you're going to score a lot, especially with Aaron really? Rodgers coming back healthy. So, All right, now that we've covered running backs, Dan, why don't you kick it off? Who's your Rip Van Winkle at wide receiver? See, this one is like I like I was talking to you about this earlier. This, like tight end was so hard for me just because there are so few uh, good tight ends that we want to kind of focus on in terms of fantasy. Problem is with uh, receiver is that there's so many receivers yep. <laughs> that are great. I mean, the league is like it's booming right now with receiving talent. It's such a deep position. Uh, but this was somebody that um, I thought. Uh, was probably a little bit of a sleeper last year coming into uh, camp. Like he was somebody that everybody was really talking about, especially um, in terms of the offense that he was joining um, and him really becoming the deep ball threat on this team. And that's smooth Kenny Galladay from yeah. the Detroit Lions. He is so smooth. <laughs> so smooth. Uh, he's got a great quarterback with a cannon arm. And you know that Stafford wants to throw the ball down the field. I'm not saying that Kenny Galladay is the uh, second coming of Megatron because there are other receivers there that are very good. Uh, Golden Tate is obviously a great receiver, and so is Marvin Jones. But the other thing is is that he's a number three kind of option in that receiving lineup. And if people are going to key on Tate and key on Jones, that's when Kenny G can smooth his way down the field for those long, deep balls. Uh, and he is – this is his second year in the season in, – in the league – um, one more year working with Stafford. Uh, and I was looking at some stats for him, and 33% of his targets from last year were on plays that were 20 yards down the field or further. So he is the guy that Stafford's looking for to kind of go and grab those big-time deep balls. And those are the kind of plays that we're looking for. Those are the type of plays in our league that give you the big point bonuses and give you that nice chunk of yardage too. So, uh, And if you look at at his uh, average draft position um, in a couple of the mocks that I saw on ESPN on the app um, in the non-PPR he was the 111th pick and in the PPR he was the 108th pick Um, and I'm thinking in terms of okay, I want somebody who's going to go out there and get me a big play, uh, who's going to grab me a long touchdown that's going to be worth like uh, 10 or 11 points by itself. And I think this year, um, Kenny G, Kenny Galladay, uh, is probably going to be somebody I expect big things out of this year. Yeah, and I mean, you got to also keep in mind too, they really got rid of their tight end. Ebron was middling, so could they go more three wide receiver sets and really... Sure focus on him as an option consistently in the offense. Yeah, I know he was um, hyped well coming out as a rookie. I think he dealt with some injuries that sort of hindered that. But I think he has the potential to be one of those guys that will just come up and produce and be a foundation piece for that offense moving forward. So I I like the pick as a sleeper. And the other thing is is that it's not like we're getting a lot of help out of the running game from the Detroit Lions either. I mean, that thing is as murky as it comes these days. I mean, I think a lot of people expect uh, Karrion Johnson just kind of walk in and take over that job, but uh, Lee Garrett Blunt, who seems to just not go away and come back and just score touchdowns, um, is there now. 
Uh, they also had Amir Abdullah, who I, I would be – I mean, we've seen some things where they're not even sure if he's going to make the team. Um, and then they've got the <laughs> – his name is – they've got the nice pass catching back out of the – what's his name? Zach Zenner? No, not Zach Zenner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, oh, God, why is the name escaping me? He's He can put up some monster PPR stats. Right. Oh, so, God, I mean, why that... is he – you know, go ahead, keep talking, Dan. I'm looking that up. I don't know why he's <laughs> leaving my name. Uh, so, I mean, if you're in an offense that's going to be throwing the ball as much as we expect Detroit to be throwing the ball, um, I really think that, you know, Kenny Galladay on the third, um, as the third back or third receiver in those three receiver sets there has a chance to kind of put some big numbers up. And, uh, no surprise some people this year for sure theoretic yeah, there it is i was just like yeah i don't know why that name escaped me because he's a yep. ppr uh probably a Machine. ppr sleeper even this year because right, i think sure. people are taking him because of the rookie but dan i just want to say you mentioned one of my favorite all-time fantasy players megatron god he was so fun to watch play football. i know what a beast i know all right so my wide receiver rip van winkle he showed flashes last year, but you wouldn't tell it based on his current ADP, and that's Nelson Aguilar from the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, right now, he's going in the 12th round, right around the fourth pick of the 12th round. I knew that's who we were going to pick. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, and I was like, I, I bet you Bob's going Aguilar on this. <laughs> you love this dude. You hype him. You yeah. a lot of hype on this guy. Here's some things. So I'm going to sort of do the same breakdown I did here. So... Their strength of schedule, Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver, based on fantasy pros, is the third easiest. He's currently listed as a second wide receiver. I know they brought on Mike Wallace. So what? They have Alshon Jeffrey, who can barely stay healthy. So I know he's already dealing with injuries. So Mm -hmm. you're dealing with a guy that showed flashes last year, and he could have the possibility of jumping in to a number one role, at least in the wide receiver core. I know people will say, you know, Zach Ertz is that guy uh, overall. But, I mean, once again, using the ultimate draft kit, half point PPR, his 2017 year, he was a top 10 wide receiver, one, two, three, four times, and a wide receiver two, one, two, three times. So you're getting six weeks of wide receiver two and under production. So... Not a lot, but you've got to understand if people are hyping Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. he's throwing it somewhere. So sure, let me give you some of the games where he really produced and showed that he was a wide receiver one or two. Uh, week one, six for 86, one touchdown. Uh, week five, four for 93, one touchdown. The following week, four for 55, one touchdown. Four for 45 the following week, one touchdown. Jump toward the end of season, once again, where it matters most during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Week 12, 3 for 32, one touchdown. Monster week against Seattle. Feels like I'm picking on Seattle. (laughs) 7 for 141, one touchdown. Week 15, 7 for 59, one touchdown. So, I mean, in those, you know, games, you know, he's showing that he can produce in numbers that are going to help your fantasy team, and you can get him as your fifth wide receiver, 
Um, So, I mean, if the Eagles are going to be one of the top scoring offenses, you've got a wide receiver one that can't ever stay healthy, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And you've got Carson Wentz coming back where people are drafting him early, sixth, seventh round maybe. I think he just has the opportunity, and he showed that it took a couple years, but he may be ready to make that leap and start being more consistent as a wide receiver in the league. Well, I think that that Philadelphia team, I think a lot of people are really expecting that offense to kind of just pick up right up where it left off. Uh, and you're right. They've got to throw the ball to someone, and it might as, might as well be Aguilar. I mean, I don't see any reason why, uh, especially just with the stacks that you laid out there, Bob, that he can't just kind of jump right in. You're right. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey has not necessarily shown that he can play the full uh, 16 game schedule um, and if somebody's got to step up it sounds like Aguilar is more than willing and more than able to kind of take the take the pressure and take that heat yeah I mean if you can give me another year like his so his stat line at the end of the year 62 for 768 and eight touchdowns give me around that as my fifth wide receiver probably yeah. off the board and I can plug him in when I need to I, I don't get why people are waiting till the 12th round to take him but you know that's just a Rip Van Winkle that we can snag late in the draft yeah, there for sure take a little nappy with him <laughs> so to recap our wide receiver choices dan said kenny galladay from the detroit lions and bob with nelson aguilar from the philadelphia eagles and i will go ahead and kick off our tight end rip van winkles so i was in between two but i went with jack doyle from the indianapolis colts Current Jack a- Doyle. <laughs> what a name, Jack Doyle. <laughs> Current average draft position, when I looked it up in half-point PPR leagues, 13th round, 10th pick. So he's the last pick of the 13th round in leagues yep. that we play in. He, They have the Indianapolis Colts, the second easiest strength of schedule. And if you're checking on Roto-Wire, you're checking on the Indianapolis Colts beat wire, it looks like Andrew Luck might be turning that corner. And if you've got Andrew yeah, Luck throwing the ball... I just saw that he was uh, practicing full pads, full contact, and uh, had himself a nice little day, too. 19 out of 22. Um, So, Owen nailed nailed T.Y. on some uh, deep balls. And your uh, Rip Van Winkle, Mr. Doyle, dropped the touchdown pass. So, there's that. Oh, well, thanks for (laughs) busting my bubble there, Dan. Um, But, yeah, let me just go over some things here. So... The past two years, he's finished as the eighth tight end two years ago, 13th tight end last year. So if you're waiting on tight ends, you can get this guy towards the end of your draft. Um, I mean, he's produced two years, and last year he didn't even have Andrew Luck. And I know some people will say, well, there's Eric Ebron that joined the team. That guy doesn't have great hands. That's why Detroit let him go. Yeah, I mean, we. I think every single year, um, everyone was like on the Eric Ebron hype train. You're like, this is the year that he's going to turn into like that Gronk style tight end. And then that fizzled out almost immediately. So, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect Ebron to kind of eat into uh, the Doyle targets as much as maybe people think they do. But yeah. He will. 
Yeah, just to give you some uh, background, when he didn't play with Andrew Luck last year, he produced tight end two or higher numbers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks. And he really produced at the end of season. So week 12 on, week 12, seventh overall tight end. 13 against Jacksonville. Yeah, it was bad. 32nd ranked tight end. But then you go 14. Uh, he was 14. 15, he was 16. 16, he was 14. Week 17, he was 3. So you add Andrew Luck, who's shown in the past that he can support two tight ends that can be favorable. Back in his MVP-type uh, season, he was able to support Fleener and Dwayne Allen. So I'm not concerned about having Ebron on the team. And if Andrew Luck's healthy, uh, I can wait and snag him late if I want to wait on tight ends. And if you, you don't could like even him, probably grab him on the wire too. I, I mean, I don't think I don't see him really getting drafted all that often. I mean, he's somebody who maybe sneaks through, but I mean, you might even be able to wait on him to see kind of how it pans out with luck throughout the year. Yep, and maybe he's somebody that you pair with uh, uh, maybe like a David Njoku uh, late in the draft if you want to just stack two and see how it plays out. But mm-hmm. if you're waiting until basically the 14th round, that's uh, my whip, Rip Van Winkle, Jack Doyle. That's funny that you mentioned somebody to stack him with because uh, that's exactly who my Rip Van Winkle is, uh, David Njoku. And uh, I, I don't think it's been it's any secret that I expect this dude to kind of just blow up this year. Um, I'm a huge kind of Njoku fan. I, I thought last year um, you kind of saw glimpses of it. I was watching highlights of him um, playing with the random plug-and-play quarterbacks that the Cleveland Browns were using last year. And he was making like crazy athletic catches. And you could tell that there was not a uh, linebacker that could match up with him and run with him in stride. And the other thing is, is that he's way too big for those defensive backs to bring down. Uh, I think with these Rip Van Winkles, what I'm looking for is big play potential. And I see that all over the field with this dude. Uh, he's got probably the best quarterback he's ever had. Um, Easily. Last year, played, Easily. last year he played with so many different ones. Um, and now he's got Tyrod, who is a consistent quarterback. Uh, and he's also surrounded by a lot more talent than he was last year. Now you've got Jarvis Landry. You've got a whole season of Josh Gordon. You've got Carlos Hyde, who everybody seems to have forgotten about, but he's a nice running back there in Cleveland. You've got Duke Johnson. You've also now you've got Nick Chubb who can come in and maybe take some of the stress off uh, that offense. And you've got a, a, a good offensive line there. Uh, so, you know, I really think uh, in terms of tight end, this is somebody that everybody is kind of not buying into the hype quite yet. But I think after you see him play a couple of games with this new look, new look Cleveland Browns, uh, every, that hype train is going to be coming full force. And he's going to be somebody that people are looking to grab right away. Uh, and whenever I'm looking at him in terms of his average draft position, he's going in like the 14th round or not drafted at all. And most of the times that I see him on the draft board is because I picked him up myself and nobody <laughs> else. Uh, I mean, so you, the, the only kind of sample size that you could go for um, in terms of like what does Tyrod Taylor kind of do um, with his um, tight ends was to look back in Buffalo. And one of his most consistent offensive weapons there was Charles Clay. And he was a nice plug-and-play tight end. Um, a couple games next year, if you're looking to pick somebody up on the uh, waiver wire when Jordan Reed was hurt or something like that. But he only had 44 receptions, 558 yards, and two touchdowns all year last year. 
Najoku with the random um, quarterbacks that he had had 32 for 386 and four touchdowns. So now you're getting an entire season of the best quarterback he's ever played with. He's a young player. He's got a lot of speed. He's got a lot of power. And I know that the Browns are looking for him to make a huge leap this year. So they're going to try feeding this guy the ball. The other thing is, is that they've got a new offensive coordinator there, Todd Haley, who's going to throw the ball, loves throwing the ball. So I really think that this is somebody, even if you have to use them right before you start picking your defense and your kicker, uh, this is somebody who you can pretty much set it and forget it and have him <laughs> as your tight end for the rest of the season. I mean, this is somebody I think that you can say he's a Rip Van Winkle, but he's not going to be for very much longer. As soon as you kind of get into the preseason and see what this dude can do, um, that hype train's coming full force for him. Yeah, Dan, I want to just echo one thing you said, and you sort of stole uh, what I was going to interject in, but you were on a roll, so I didn't want to stop you, is <laughs> look at his quarterback, Tyrod Taylor. He made right. Charles Clay a fantasy-relevant tight end that you could play, right. and people were targeting last year before he got hurt. Now, I don't know if that was... Uh, because of the wide receiver options. But I think every year that Tyrod played at Buffalo, he was targeting Charles Clay. So you get a young athletic tight end like David Njoku with a quarterback that likes to focus on the tight ends, even though they have weapons everywhere else. Sure. I could definitely see him being that uh, back end to mid tight end one because their offense is as good as it's been in how long. So I really like the pick. I know he was, I believe you're Greg Value going back to episode two, if oh, I remember yeah. correctly. So. Uh, Dan's expecting big things. So, once again, our tight end, Rip Van Winkle. I have Jack Doyle from the Indianapolis Colts. Dan has Jack David Doyle. Njoku from the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> now that we've covered our Rip Van Winkles, let's get ready to talk some Billy Busterman's emphasis <laughs> on the bust. Buster. Billy Busterman. So, Dan, why don't you go ahead and kick it off? Who's your QB, Billy Busterman? Once again, emphasis on the bust. Okay. So I I know that people are going to be like, oh, you're just saying this because you hate this team. No, I'm saying this because I just don't think it's possible for this person to keep going at the rate that he's going. He has to give up. It has to give out at some point. You have to know who I'm talking about already. It's Tom Brady. Tom Brady is, I think, uh, going to be a bust this year. His 2017 stats, we went over this before, 4,577 yards, 32 TDs, 8 interceptions. The guy's 40 years old this season, uh, and he's going in the fifth round or sooner in your fantasy draft. I mean, he's usually the third quarterback off the uh, board. It's usually Aaron Rodgers and now Deshaun Watson because of all the hype he's getting. Uh, And then maybe Russell Wilson, but it's usually Tom Brady. And I mean, the dude has been like crazy consistent, but you also have to think about the talent that's surrounding him. Um, And let me just throw you out something crazy, Bob. And it has nothing to do other than can you believe this stat line? 2007 stat line for Tom Brady, 4,806 yards and 50 passing touchdowns. Oh, the Randy <laughs> Moss year. passing touchdowns, yes. The, the Randy Moss year, yep. I mean, but every single season you look at it, he has right around 30 touchdowns, right around 30 touchdowns. But this year, 
let's think about who is on this team in terms of the passing attack. Brandon Cooks, gone. Danny Amendola, gone. Julian Edelman, suspended. Suspended. So right now, your best receiver on your New England Patriots is somebody who was playing lacrosse, Chris Hogan. Brother. Chris Hogan is the number one receiver for your New England Patriots now. Brother. They've got Jordan. (laughs) Brother. (laughs) They've got Jordan Matthews, who I read today is already injured. I mean, surprise. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> right. The other one that they have, the, the other receivers are Kenny Britt, who was on the Browns last year, but had, I think, more drops than receptions. I could be wrong, but it seemed like that. <laughs> Malcolm Mitchell and Philip Dorsett. Now, I get it. He still has Josh McDaniels. He still has Bill Belichick. And, of course, he has Gronk. But I just don't feel like you're going to get the same level of elite quarterback play from Tom Brady this year because of the surrounding cast maybe just isn't as talented as it typically is. And the other thing is, it seemed to me last year that they were doing a whole lot more running the ball as opposed to passing the ball. So maybe with that new rookie running back there, if they can get the ground game going, Tom Brady's not going to have to put that much work in. So uh, although I know that he's going to uh, probably turn in another historically fantastic season, I just don't think this time around this Patriots team is as talented as the ones before. Um, and I just don't expect him to have the same level of elite quarterback play because of maybe a little regression about the talent around him. And, and that's the only reason. Yeah, and, and just to add one more point on it, the past two years, he really faded when it mattered most, which is your fantasy playoffs. He mm-hmm. just was not producing stats like Tom Brady. So I don't know what that trend says, if it's just it is age getting to him at the end of the year, although he produces in the playoffs. Is it just yep. because they have it locked up to where it, it really doesn't matter except for seeding? And, and really, I don't think seeding matters for that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the past two fantasy playoffs, uh, two years running, he really seems to have faded. So, and it all comes down to draft capital for me. I don't like investing unless if it's just a fall to get one of those quarterbacks like Brady. Sure. Um, so I'm with you. I, I probably won't own any stocks of Tom Brady. And uh, <laughs> you, you laid out some great reasons why. And, and I, I don't get me wrong. We've said. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Easily most at this likely. Point. Easily. But I just don't think I mean, and the other thing is is that Patriots somehow, some way always find these kind of no name dudes who come out of nowhere and now are like the best players at their position. So I could be completely wrong. But from what I'm seeing right now in terms of the skill players and the talent that's around there and the kind of shift more towards the running game, I really don't think you're going to get uh, the same old touchdown Tommy uh, this year that you've had uh, in previous seasons. But, geez, that 2007 season, 50 touchdown passes, <laughs> 50. That's insane. 50 touchdown passes. That is just, oh, that's monster. Oh. Yep. And. Look at who he's married to. You win in life, Tom. So we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, thumbs up to you, Mr. Brady. (laughs) So I'm going to move to my uh, Billy Busterman, and it's Jimmy Garoppolo from San Francisco. Hmm. He's being drafted. Formerly of the New England Patriots. (laughs) Yeah, hating on the Patriots. That's right. And Jimmy is being drafted in the ninth round. But 
I think people are expecting a monster year out of him, and I'm going to bring up some facts that could contradict that. So uh, he has a strength of schedule in the bottom eighth. So he's got a tough schedule coming up here. And I don't know how you want to look at it, but his um, you know fantasy playoffs, Seattle may be down, but if you're looking just based off last year, he faces Week 13 Seattle, 14 Denver, 15 Seattle, 16 Chicago, who was surprisingly stingy. And if you have leagues that go to Week 17, which you should never have, they've got the Los Angeles Rams. If you look at his stats... They look, in retrospect, like he was lighting the league up. But let me give you a little bit uh, deeper stats on here. So when he took over, and we'll just go week 13, because I think he came in late week 12. Um, But week 13 on, I have him with averages of, let's see here, 24 completions out of 35 attempts. So good completion percentage, 308 yards. Okay, the yards are there. Here's his touchdown and interception average. One and one. So, Dan, you extrapolate that out for 16 games. 378 completions on 563 attempts. Little under 5,000 yards. So that sounds great right there. Touchdowns, 19. Interceptions, 16. That's basically Matt Ryan outside of his MVP year that everybody loves to hate on, even though he's got, to me, better weapons. Right. And that's the season that you would have gotten out of Jimmy Garoppolo. So for everybody that was excited of his five-game quote-unquote burst, Take a look at those numbers, and they really don't look that good in the end. So, there, there is so much hype around him this year. There is so much hype around him this year. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't. I mean, I get it because he had. I mean, he was. It was exciting last year to see the kind of things that he could possibly do. But I, I, you're right. When you take a nice hard look at the stats, uh, maybe the hype was a little bit more of uh, wishful thinking than actual production on the field. Yeah, so um, just sort of take caution. I mean, I'd rather take Big Ben, Matt Stafford, Philip Rivers, and those are all guys, I believe, going after him. So, uh, you know, that's my thought. That's my bust. If you look at the stats closer, that's where I came down on uh, my QB, Billy Busterman. So, See, the other thing is, is that I think <laughs> we like, I think we actually like the receivers there maybe a little bit more than Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G will have a nice year. Um, but I, I definitely like uh, Garcon as maybe a little bit of a Rip Van Winkle this season, uh, especially Marquise Goodwin. Um, and that was a guy that I grabbed uh, <clears throat> last season uh, off the waiver wire who had some really nice games towards the end of the year, uh, making me uh, help with my pay- a playoff push a little bit. So, Yeah. So, yeah, just some things to think about. I mean, he can he produce? The yard should be there. But you better hope he gets that touchdown-to-interception ratio up. Uh, oh, yeah. So that's my concern. So let me transition to my running back, Billy Busterman. And it probably sounds like I'm picking on this team. So San Francisco, I'm sorry. But uh, my Busterman is Jarek McKinnon, who is going third round, first pick. So Bob, we we can just do we can just talk about this together too. Okay. All right, Dan. That <laughs> was the same pick. <laughs> so as you can see, we are so simpatico with running backs uh, so far. No kidding. Let me give you some stats, Dan. I'll I'll be quick because I want to give you room to discuss as well. Their schedule, running back wise, bottom seven based on fantasy pros. Mm-hmm. 
I like his backup, Matt Breida, and I'll let you bring him up because I know you sent something to me earlier. But here's I, I just want to look at his stats last year because this is what concerns me. You don't even have to look at the stats just from last year, Bob. Look at the stats since he came into the league Yep. Um, from the very first year on. Yep. So l- let me just spell out. When he took over, quote-unquote, when Dalvin Cook went down last year, from weeks five through eight, and then week nine was their bye, his averages were a little under 14 attempts on the ground for 65.25 yards, .75 touchdowns, receiving five for 41 yards pretty much, .25 touchdowns. So you're basically looking at 100 combined yards and one touchdown. Mm-hmm. If you give me that, draft him right where he's at. I have no problem with that. Here's the concerning part. Right there, it looks like he's taken over the running back duties for Minnesota. After the bye, weeks 10 through 17, his averages jumped down to 10 rushes, 35.38 yards on the ground, no touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Little under three receptions for 27.25 receiving yards, 0.13 touchdowns. So he went from 100 yards and one touchdown to right around 60-ish yards and barely a point two touchdown pretty much (laughs) so why when somebody has seemingly taken over the job did latavius murray come over and take it back over top you you could not use Jarek mckinnon i had him on my team last year and i was stoked picking him up off the waivers Mm -hmm. and then i couldn't even play him when it mattered most so what concerns me is can he handle the workload why did he lose the job when he seemingly was dominating and Mm -hmm. i think we like a rip van winkle possibly in matt Breida. so dan since he's your buster man go ahead and and uh, extrapolate on what i just laid down yeah, well, here's the other thing is that if you just look at the season-long stats for McKinnon last year, 570 yards, three touchdowns. 51 receptions, 420 yards, two touchdowns. Latavius Murray had 842 and eight touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> Latavius Murray was by far the better running back in Minnesota last season. And now that McKinnon's on this new team – uh, he is being like kind of hailed as like, no, now he's finally in an offensive scheme that matches his skill set. And the one thing that people are always saying is like, oh, well, he's going to be kind of like a Brian Westbrook type um, player. So I went back and look at Brian Westbrook's <laughs> Brian Westbrook's stats and his best year, uh, 2007. 278 rushing attempts for 1,333 yards and seven touchdowns. 90 receptions for 771 yards and five touchdowns. So people expect McKinnon to do things like that. But when you look at him last season, when he essentially had the ability to show I'm going to be the man in this offense, what did we get? (laughs) 570 and 421. Like not even remotely close to those Westbrook numbers. And I think that's what people are kind of thinking. Okay, well, this is the type of offense he's he's you know fitting for. Um, but he's not a very big guy. Um, he's quick. Um, but I, I don't think you're – I think you're drafting – with the hopes that he could be Brian Westbrook. But if he couldn't even beat out Latavius Murray last year, I don't think you're going to get the same level of return that you're expecting when you're taking him 
right at the beginning of the second round for the most part. Yeah, and just came out this morning, Matt Breda looks like the best running back on the team based on training <laughs> camp news. Right. Runs harder than everybody else. I think he's going to have a role in some form or fashion. So, uh, yeah, just at that draft price, 301, um, I'm probably staying away from McKinnon at that draft capital. He's probably not going to be on my team. And uh, the stats, once you look at them closer, just spelled out that it, it can be some trouble there. Here's the other thing is, is that the guy that he replaced, Dalvin Cook, uh, four games, he only had one of those games where he went over 100 yards rushing, and he only had two touchdowns in those four games, too. And I get that. I mean, it was his rookie year. He got hurt and stuff like that. Do you think he's getting a little bit too much hype, Dalvin? Because I see him going in the second round right around where Jarek is going, uh, if not a little earlier. Uh, I've seen people take him at the tail end of the first. So do you think maybe there's a little bit too much hype for Dalvin, you know, seeing the small kind of sample size of what we got from him last season? Yeah, it's weird because you have to wonder, is Latavius going to have his role still there as well? And Latavius showed that he could produce when he was healthy. So, yeah, uh, boy, I don't know what to think about Dalvin Cook. He's got to prove he's healthy. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. I, I do like that youth is on his side, and they seem to want him to be the number one. Um, but depending on where I'm drafting, I, I would probably not take him. I'd probably double up on wide receivers if it looks like more of the tail end of the round because sure. you're getting him probably either late in round one or early on the swing in round two. But mm-hmm. he's, he's definitely a guy to keep an eye out uh, on in training camp for sure to make sure that he's healthy, first of all. Well, I saw that he's not wearing the brace, so he's going braceless. So he must feel pretty good about that knee um, if he's not going to be wearing the brace or anything like that. So uh, I guess we'll just kind of have to wait and see whether he can uh, push himself through tra- training camp and kind of be back to the old Dalvin, even though you only got to see like pretty much three and a half games of him last year. But he's got a lot of hype on him this year, too. Yeah, so Dan and I agree. Billy Busterman, uh, Jarek McKinnon. So, Dan, let's position over to wide receiver. Who's your Billy Busterman? So, I don't know why we keep coming back to the team some way, somehow. Uh, but for a receiver, I've got Stephon Diggs. And he is going at the number 28 pick, usually right in that third round. He's typically off the board uh, in that third round. Uh, he's the wide receiver 12. And here's the thing is that would you think that when you looked at the career stats of Stephon Diggs that he would not have has not had a season in which he's gone over a thousand yards receiving yet? Yeah, uh, the only reason I know that is because he's been on my team the last two years and he will just flash and then he'll get hurt or he won't produce. So, And that's the other thing is that he's not played a full 16-game schedule since he's come to the league. Uh, Adam Thielen, who you can get usually after Diggs or maybe a pick ahead of him, um, but most of the time afterwards, uh, has more reception and has missed less games, but is not getting the same type of hype that Diggs gets. I think people see like those big-time acrobatic catches that Diggs can do uh, and think, well, this dude's going to be a monster. Um, and they're drafting him with the hopes that he does that, but it has not panned out. Um these last couple of years i mean he's drafted like a wide receiver one but he usually ends up as like a wide receiver two or three and the other thing is is that um outside the stats and things like that um new quarterback in that system this year so you need to get on the same page with that qb 
Uh, the other thing is, is that Kirk Cousins isn't necessarily known for going deep um, to the wide receiver position. Uh, he is a lot more uh, in terms of where he was, what he was doing in Washington, um, throwing the tight end and the running back. So I don't think you're going to get the same level of production um, that you would even out of Thielen um, that you expect to get out of Diggs. Um, because he's not going to play the whole season. Last year, he had 64 catches for 849 and eight touchdowns. That eight touchdowns is pretty nice. Yep. But in 2016, he had 84 for 903 and three touchdowns. Yep. So, I mean, there's a huge kind of difference there in terms of that touchdown touchdown potential, um, which I don't know if I would be – you know, listen, I mean, the the guy's obviously talented, athletic, and can – literally probably burn anybody in the league but i just don't think with the new qb that i'm super confident about him coming in and setting the world on fire like most people think he's going to do this season yeah like you said there's a lot of mouths to feed Diggs, thielen you've got rudolph you've got cook uh kirk cousins in his time in washington i don't believe ever supported a wide receiver one now jordan no, reed was, right. jordan reed was a high-end tight end so that might yep. look better for rudolph but yep. yeah, the both Vikings receivers are going right next to each other, pretty much like you stated. And uh, yeah, I just don't. I still would take Thielen over Diggs at this point. He showed that he could produce without touchdowns, and if he raises his touchdown potential, he's going to move into almost a damn near elite level wide receiver if he adds three more Definitely. touchdowns to his season. Yep. So, yep. So I like I like Riyadh. So Stefan Diggs, Dan's Billy Busterman. I'm going to move back to Cleveland, and. I really don't want this to be the case because I'd like to see a nice redemption story for the man, but I picked Josh Gordon, who's going third round, eighth pick as my Billy Busterman. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to give a similar breakdown like I have been. The Cleveland wide receivers have a bottom seven strength of schedule, so they've got a pretty tough schedule. And if you look at their um, you know, fantasy championship time, uh, week 15 at Denver, week 16, Cincy. So uh, those were two of the toughest last year. And if you go to week 17, once again, you should never have a championship game then. <laughs> they've right. got Baltimore, who look to be the stingiest pass defense. It has been... Since 2013, when Josh Gordon had that magical season where he was in some formats the number one overall, uh, ultimate draft kick fantasy footballers had him at the number two for half point PPR. That's a that long ago? Yep. I was stunned because I was trying to think back because I actually had him on my team that year. (laughs) And I just remember just being like, wow, these are like video game stats. And I couldn't remember. It was 2013. Five years ago? Yep. And he was out of the league 16 and 15. 2014, he only played five games. Last year, he only played five games. And here were his stat lines for last year. On average, from week 13 to 17, three and a half receptions for 67 yards, 0.2 touchdowns. I like to extrapolate those numbers out, as you guys could tell. That's basically 58 receptions for 1,072 yards. So the yards are there. Yeah. And only three touchdowns. So I'm going to keep it short and sweet. A lot of mouths to feed. There's already some concerns. It doesn't sound like he has issues. I think he just wants to be proactive and making sure he doesn't have a slip up. Good on yep. him. Make sure he's mentally yep. ready. Yep. But there are just a lot of things. Not a lot of games played in the past four years. Ten combined. The yeah. stat line was not really there. You could probably pin that on quarterback play. Tyrod's a big upgrade. I hope I'm wrong. 
And if he falls into like the mid fourth to early fifth in 10 team leagues, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to snatch him. But in that third round, I just need to see it because 10 games in four years doesn't breed a lot of confidence on my end. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, when you hear the name Josh Gordon, I, I guess you don't really think about how long he's been away from football for. Like that year that he was on that kind of fantasy tear, which it was just kind of unbelievable the numbers he was putting up and the touchdowns he was scoring. I mean, he was basically the only kind of relevant player on that entire squad. I can't believe that was five years ago, though. Like, it doesn't yep. seem like it was that long ago. It seems like it was just kind of like, like you know, like right around the corner. But I mean, I cannot. I mean, when you think about it in terms of, you know, he's only played that few games in this long of time. Uh, I can definitely. I mean, he is getting a lot of hype this year, and I think maybe it's because people are thinking fondly of that 2013 year. Maybe it should be taken in a couple rounds later. Um, when you think about it in terms of where he's been the last couple of years. Yeah, so I hope I'm wrong because the dude's a freak of nature and yeah. I'd like to see him be mentally healthy, but when you're looking at Busterman's, you've got to be very focused on these types of things that round, draft capital, yep. what's the guy been producing like? So uh, that recap once when, again. When you're taking him in the third round, you're kind of like if you go running back, running back, you're expecting Josh Gordon to be your number one receiver right to on. kind of lead your receiving core. Uh, and if he's only played that few games within the last five years, uh, you're really kind of going out on a limb with that guy, I would think. And I hate to say it if he has a slip up, which once again, I'm going to stress, I hope he doesn't. He could be out of the league completely. So, sure. Just, and and I agree with you. It seemed to me like when he's like, I just need to make, it seems like he's just making sure his head's right so he can get into the year and get into the season and be that kind of athletic freak we all know he can be. And that's good for him. Like at least at this point, he's recognizing he needs to kind of be more proactive about that stuff. Uh, so you're, you're absolutely right. I hope you're wrong too, personally, because I'd love to see the dude turn it around and kind of get back to where he was because that's a great story. And you know, I'd be happy to, you know, uh, see him kind of do that because that'd be it's just great. But uh, yeah, that's a lot. That's an awful lot of draft capital to invest in a guy who has not really been playing football for five years. Yep. So just to recap, uh, Dan's Billy Busterman, Stefan Diggs, and mine is Josh Gordon. And let's close up this discussion with tight ends. I'm going to get it kicked off, Dan, and mine's Evan Ingram. Uh, if you look at just where he's being drafted, he's being drafted at the beginning of the seventh round in half point PPR ten league, uh, ten team leagues at the beginning. So seven oh two, he's got a bottom nine strength of schedule based on fantasy pros. Uh, now he doesn't have any competition for the tight end target, so that's a good plus. But you've got to really dig deeper into what happened with him last year. He had almost a historic rookie tight end type of season. Mm-hmm. But here's what you got to keep in mind. They had zero running game. It was like Paul Perkins and Orleans Darkwa. And right. when he really started taking over, both Brandon Marshall and Odell Beckham both went down in the same game. So yep. the receiving options completely went away. It now, was like basically him and Sterling Shepard until Sterling Shepard got hurt. Yeah, exactly. You're adding on to my point right there. So <laughs> let me give you some stats here. He was the 
based on Fantasy Pro's tight end targets, he was targeted 7.7 times per game. That was number two only behind Travis Kelsey at 8.1. So he was almost the most targeted tight end in all of football last year. Wow. If you look at his stats, so when Odell and Marshall went down in week five, his average was 8.1 targets per game, four and a half receptions. That's a 55% catch rate. Not good. <laughs> if his, Not too good. If his targets go down even just two targets a game to six, he's looking at, on that catch percentage, a little over three receptions per game. Mm-hmm. His yards would drop to 37 7 yards per game and his season average if you would extrapolate that out would be 602 receiving yards that's 120 less than what he produced last year so it's a combination of bad catch rate perfect storm last year and the Mm -hmm. offense has many more weapons Saquon, Odell Sterling another year I just think there's too many things going against him to produce at that elite level that he produced at last year so my buster man is Evan Ingram yeah, I mean, I was talking to you about this before we started tonight. It was, like, so hard for me to come up with somebody. So I wish I could just say uh, anyone other than Gronk and Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or even, and I guess to some degree, Jimmy Graham. I think when you look up uh, bus, everyone's like, Jimmy Graham. Uh, and I get that because there's so much Jimmy Graham hype because um, he's on the new team. is with Aaron Rodgers. Um, so you're expecting him not to maybe be where he used to be. Uh, I don't think so. I think he's going to have a good year. Um, my guy is uh, somebody who I think we all expected to be kind of the next big athletic upgraded tight end. Uh, but the guy can't stay healthy. He can't play a full season. I'm talking about Jordan Reed. <laughs> Since he's come to the to the NFL, he's never played a full season. Fifty um, percent of the time, he's either out or on the injury report. He had off-season surgery. Um, in his best season, his best season statistically, he played 14 games, which is by far probably the most games he's played. Uh, he had 87 receptions, 952 yards, and 11. 11 touchdowns 11 touchdowns that's a nice number of touchdowns um but i just don't think that he is somebody that i would even consider drafting because the doubt that you have that's accompanying jordan reed kind of just is going to permeate your fantasy season because you're always going to have to have a backup plan it's almost like you're excited to see that he's actually available to play because that is more of a surprise than him sitting. <laughs> I know that was the case last year. It was a surprise to me when Jordan Reed was playing as opposed to him um, being injured or kind of not being available. And the other thing that bothers me is he is um, a new quarterback and he has one of, I guess, one of the more cute tight end friendly QBs and Alex Smith. But still, you got to get on the same page with him. You've got to get on the, got to build some kind of rapport for him. Um, and and you got to be don't... not injured, pretty much. I mean, yeah. really. And you've got to at least be on the field to at least practice with him. So, I mean, the, the best thing that probably Jordan Reed has going for him um, is that there isn't really much else there in the passing game. Um, Doxon, Crowder, those wide receivers aren't, you know, people who are setting the world on fire. At least they weren't last season. Uh, maybe this year they kind of step it up a little bit, but I would not expect that. Uh, he's going the 10th round. He's usually like 
right in that tenth round. Uh, I would rather have another wide receiver. I would rather have another maybe running back that you can kind of stash and see how it plays out as opposed to wasting the pick on Jordan Reed. Because I guess whenever you get him and he's playing, he's producing and he's putting up very nice numbers. But the games that he plays are so few and far between that I don't think it's worth wasting the draft pick on him. I'd rather wait and grab someone like Njoku um, who has maybe a bigger upside or even kind of stream tight end a little bit to see how things shake out. Yeah, to me, it's, I'll just recap it. It's all injury with me. If he can prove he's healthy, <laughs> you, you probably can get him on the waivers in 10-team leagues and Absolutely. Uh, see if it plays out that way. So that closes up our Billy Busterman discussion. So we did our sleepers, Rip Van Winkles, Bust, Billy Busterman. Uh, we're probably going to put something on the poll about that, just see who you thought had uh, better selections for sleepers and bust and get some feedback that way. Um, we were supposed to have a guest, uh, Mitchell Renz from Chat Sports, but I know he's launching a new show that he's working on he had some family in so uh we looked to get mitchell on he said he'll come on later in the season follow him at mitchell wrens 365 on twitter you can find out what all he's doing uh mitchell good luck with the show we can't wait to have you on um but next week we are going to have a guest when we transition to talk about best ball best ball is a new newer uh sort of explosion fantasy game yeah in the fantasy uh format and we're going to bring on a guest ryan o'connell from fantasy football life who's going to share his thoughts on best ball. And I think we're even going to do a best ball draft with him uh, through draft and play out the season and look to have him back later in the year. So keep an eye out for best ball talk next week from uh, the guys at not takes with uh, Ryan as well. So now that we've gone through uh, the whole show, Dan, let's go ahead and close things off. You can follow us at NotTakesFF, N-O-T-T-A-K-E-S-F-F on Twitter and Instagram. Always shoot us an email, NotTakesFF at gmail.com. You can visit our homepage, anchor.fm slash NotTakesFF to see everywhere our podcast is available, which is pretty much everywhere. So mm-hmm. we appreciate you guys uh, finding us and listening to us. We see the numbers going up, starting to see some reviews in there. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Speaking of reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe anywhere that our podcasts are at to get our podcast every Sunday night, Monday morning during the off-season. And if you're on Apple, give us a five-star rating and review. It really helps the show. And like I said, when you subscribe anywhere, you'll automatically get the new episode downloaded to your device of choice and to your platform of choice. And Dan, why don't you throw a shout-out to your brother Tom for our awesome intro song. Yeah, Alma. Uh, I mean, it's, <laughs> I'll thank him every week because I love this song. It's perfect for us, perfect for the show. And thank you so much, my man, for uh, letting us use it uh, and make uh, it something uh, that we can kind of use to get our thoughts on fantasy out there. Uh, it's a great intro. Thanks a lot, my man. And once again, join us next week for some best ball discussion with Ryan. Until then, Dan, have a good work week, and I'll talk to you next week. Later, Bob. Later. Later.